Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech. This is the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Our podcast uses an interview format with industry and academic leaders and is intended for analytics-interested business professionals from the U.S. and beyond. Thank you again for listening to the Analytics Buzz. With us today, we have Tom Aliff, and we're talking about the criticality of truly meaningful insights and the value of analytics. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. So wanted to start off with an introduction. You were telling me a little bit about Equifax a few minutes ago, but tell us about your role. So my role today, I support, you know, as, as part of Equifax, we're a you know, $3.4 you know, billion dollar company, you know, you know, publicly traded. And um, our primary, you know, one of our primary objectives is to provide insights, you know, to, to the market. And, and really insights is, and when we think about analytics and the value of analytics, mm-hmm. it's to help customers, you know, leverage our data, their own data, mm-hmm. and third-party data to help um, drive business decisions. So we, we, we actively, uh, our primary view is to promote the use of data within other businesses in terms of, you know, how they can use business analytics to propel their business. And my role in particular is to support the U.S. consumer and commercial market. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and you were mentioning that there were some other teams within Equifax that also do analytics, if you want to call it doing analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, what do what those teams look like? Yeah, so the U.S. section of what I do is we support, you know, we do direct customer work. Mm-hmm. You, know, that, that's, you know, when we talked about, you know, building models for customers, that would be the likes of, you know, large, you know, mobile phone providers, pay TV, uh, you know, banking and lending, mortgage companies like Fannie Mae. So that's a solution know. provider, kind of yep. like a mm-hmm. consulting within, within the Group. Correct. Okay. And and there, the other areas that, that do support, you know, there's uh, there's teams that support business units like like mine. I support the U.S. business unit with with data and analytics professionals. Mm-hmm. And there are other business units like we have, uh, you know, one in particular. One of our data assets is uh, it's called, we call it our workforce solutions, which mm-hmm. is employment and income data. Oh. And then we have we have data that uh, you know is around our property data. Um, that can help, uh, I guess, understand home home evaluations and and the the price of those potential homes. And then, in addition to that, we have teams that purely focus on innovation. So when we think about things that we're going to provide to the market, what I do is to help serve, you know, from a data and analytics perspective, within the next one to three years. Innovation is the next three to five years. So the groups that are doing kind of more, um, are you familiar with Bill Frank's work and some of his books that he's written? He talks about confirmatory analytics, which are specific to you know certain problems. It sounds like those are workforce property, whereas the innovation is more exploratory analytics, which is um, proofs of concepts, um, trying to figure out what makes, you know, how you can apply something new, but it takes a lot of time for exploration. That, yeah, that's that, that's correct. I think okay. that we do a mixture of both uh, confirmatory and exploratory. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a lot of our exploratory analysis specifically, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of data visualization now sure. you know, and, and trying to, you know, understand what is the value of data for specific uh, business problems. Gotcha. Okay. And um, you kind of grouped data and analytics together. Um, and some would say, especially to the novice, um, and probably a lot of our listeners might say, well, what's the difference between a data professional and an analytics professional? And you also, you, you gave kind of like a continuum between data all the way through data scientist. So is that on mm-hmm. a gradient of complication or what does that look like? 
I think I think it's a different skill set versus gradient of complication because mm-hmm. I think that uh, in today's world, you know, the you know, when, if we think about everyone's going to have a different definition of what a data scientist is. Yeah, no kidding. And and where what I what I find is that there's going to be you know, roles that that are needed. You know, if mm-hmm. we think about data supply chain, there you know our, our data we we get over you know you know t- tens of thousands of contributors of data to us on on a on a daily basis, tens nightly of basis. Thousand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, thinking about the lending institutions. Um, per- providers of uh, you know you know pay TV, mobile phone, wealth and asset data, employment mm-hmm. records. So if you get say if you get paid our employment data, you know, the example of what I would describe is if you get paid weekly, we have a record that comes in you know to help to help support some of the analyses that we do for uh, in- employment and income verification. Got it. And and so all of that data comes in. We need to have people that manage the supply chain. So it comes in. There's quality checks mm-hmm. to know what what's loaded. You know specifically think about what we're most known for is our credit file. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that the data is set up. And the quality of it is is accurate that it can load to the database from from what we know. But the and and in in order for that to occur, we have to have quality programs. And we're running data quality programs on 100% of, of our database. Wow. And and so the all of this data comes into our environment, our analytic environment, which is you know it's a scalable you know three you know, over three petabytes of data. Mm-hmm. And uh, for you know for those listening, you know, when we think about what three petabytes is, it's you know it's scalable. But if we think about a byte. Being a grain of sand, mm-hmm. if you uh, fill up a forty-story building, lay it on its side, and go one hundred and twenty stories up, that's three full petabytes. of sand. That's that's three petabytes. That's yeah. amazing! Wow, so lots of data. And and so to continue with the you know the type of people, mm-hmm. like there's people that have to manage the data. Mm-hmm. They have to know what's the quality, what are the rules of the data, because there's so many, especially in today's world. There's uh, context, you know, restrictions. There, there's regulation. Um, there's appropriate use case for for different data types, and being able to apply it in, in, in not just a regulatory sense, but an ethical sense as well. Yeah. And then there's the professionals that can take that information, mine it. You know, data visualization. I talked about that as being something key. Mm-hmm. That's a very specific skill set mm-hmm. to be able to um, move large data sets, mine the data in an exploratory sense, mm-hmm. and then find some key insights. And then there's the the modeling profiles, those that actually take the data and form you know predictive analytics for things that. Uh, you know, we, we you may have a confirmatory analytic, but there's also the predictive side where we need to make sure that uh, we're able to you know demonstrate you know value there, and awesome. then and then innovate innovation type professionals as well. Oh, I got you. Okay, so you um, to reiterate, um, it's and you mentioned the Geigo principle, which is never going to go away. Like garbage in, garbage out is always going to be a thing. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> data quality is super important. Mm-hmm. You've got those people that are in charge of. Um, Making sure that the governance is there, the storage is happening, the um, the as it's flowing in, that things are coming in the way they should, and just that that source, those bricks to build the house, are super meaningful. Um, then you've got the visualization, which, um, and I'm going to get back to this point here in just a second, which is um, making the data say something, at least as a starting point, like tell us something. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you move more toward the predictive and the modeling part. And then you have um, all the way through the innovation team, and yep. I've worked with some of those people. Y'all are doing some really cool stuff. And I think I think to add on to that, yeah, the you you, you picked up on something, which is the storytelling side. Yes, and I think that uh, you know. 
oftentimes when we find insights, there is the storytelling side. Mm-hmm. And so we do have individuals that have a, have a very strong you know, ability and focus to take insights that are produced mm-hmm. and be able to communicate it. So it's the it's a very it's almost like the the technical writer aspect mm-hmm. behind you know gen, you know understanding insights. But they ha- that individual also has to have a deep understanding of data of analytics of modeling and, and, and specifically the expertise around the business problems they're trying to solve. So they have to know like what are the problems that a, a mobile phone provider is trying to understand with the use of data. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, this is the, the um, should I say the word unicorn? Am I allowed to say that word? <laughs> you can say unicorn. Uh, because I have this conversation probably twice a week. It's amazing. Um, so back to uh, one of the other parts that you mentioned when you were talking about meaningfulness. And, um, and and back to our topic, now that we understand your team a little bit better and the structure of Equifax and what you guys, um, how you guys are arranged, um, what is, some would say that data is inherently going to be important. It's, it's inherently valuable and that you don't need to package it a certain way or you don't need to shine a light on a certain way. It's just, by golly, it's data, right? And so it's supposed to automatically... Um, be meaningful. What would you say to that statement that data by itself, you don't have to do anything? I would say that uh, you know, data by itself uh, is is just information, yep. but there there's certainly you know a form of interpretation that happens on that. And I think um, the the part where it's obvious what what happens and, and what what's meant by it being obvious is that somebody already did the analyses to prove that it was obvious. Mm-hmm. And and so a data point that's captured you know, over time, you know, and that the obvious nature behind it means that that was an insight in and of itself. Got um, it. But the example, you know, that you, you have to go to the exploratory side because there might be things that you don't know yet, that you don't understand, that you can apply and, and, and draw value from. A, a great example of that would be we have, we have two databases on, in that, that I'll reference. One is our commercial database, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I guess, is an asset of uh, small business owners. Mm-hmm. And when we think about small business owners, you know, the assumption is that's what they do. That's, that's their job. Uh, but I also mentioned our workforce solutions data, which is employment and income, mm-hmm. meaning that there's a, a payroll record that comes in on, on these individuals. And what we found is when we link the two databases together, which we'd never done before, right. we, just, we, we were able to provide that link together within our big data environment, mm-hmm. we found 10% of those actually had an active record, meaning they had a second job. And, and so then, well, what are the following insights to that is that if someone has a second job, they, you know, they're like, well, so what? What does that mean? Is that positive or is it negative? And what we found is that as someone, you know, evolves in that, in that second job, if they've been there for four years, they have an income above you know, a certain amount, they're in a non-transient field, meaning, you know, non-food, non-retail, um, and they've been on that job, you know, for, for you know, a certain amount of time. What that means is that they're a lower risk in, in terms of paying back other debt obligations. Got it. Got it. Okay. And that was something that if you had not stitched together the two the two sets of data, you never would have thought to look for. Right. And it's and it's a non it's a non obvious insight, you know, contextual because we can always draw insight conclusions at a high level mm-hmm. and think that that's the answer. But when you, when you drill down into specificity, you know, really, you know, analytics is contextual in nature. Yeah. So some of it gets to um, how to make it meaningful, how to make it really valuable. And it sounds like the um, the business side of it and understanding the context and what you're looking for um, is super helpful for framing that. Now, how do you know when your analytic solution is seen as valuable? 
What are your indicators? So we always start with a business problem, mm-hmm. um, and when we define the business problem, it's you know you know uh, you know sometimes it could be um, you know trying to find new prospects. It could be trying to increase approval rates. Um, it could be let's you know you know let's change an, a manual underwriting system to something that's automated. Let's find the optimal. Um, you know, collections strategy. You know, if someone has not has not been you know paying, and when we when you establish a baseline, the analytic can then be you know, applied in such a way that if we if we leverage this um, either this in, this insight as a score as an attribute through a decision strategy mm-hmm. to say here's the action we're going to take, you can then have a uh, I guess a predicted view of that business as usual calculation you were trying to measure and then mm-hmm. and then measure improvement. So it's always it's always if you can't if you can't establish the value of that analytic or insight mm-hmm. to the business problem then yeah. it, it is very challenging to you know, really equate value. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you would have to keep a relatively tight um, pulse on what your client's up to because I'm assuming you guys are delivering solutions mm-hmm. to a client and so you don't want to it's almost like dropping a baby off at somebody's house and saying like okay bye hope the kid turns out well that is, <laughs> you want to keep yeah. up and know what happens and how they use it how are you able to um, to have that long term conversation with them so when we think about that I guess the value chain what we do yeah. you, you touched on a, on a key point where you have you, it starts with the data then you build off of attributes you know, then you can have score models and the decision strategy on how those things are, are used and leverage data points that feed into a decision strategy mm-hmm. um, and then you know that that like a, a good example would be I'll come back to the to wireless phone application so if you apply for you know wireless phone service many of those applications come through you know our, our database real time and we we provide you know the I guess the answer back within milliseconds for mm-hmm. here is here's the likelihood that this um, consumer will pay, be able to pay that back or not, mm-hmm. and from there, you know, within within you know days, they'll know did they did they start uh, did they activate did they use that service, and then within the, the the first pay period, they'll be able to provide information back to us, and then we can do some uh, confirmatory analyses to say this is what we thought it would be. Here's what actually happened, and then the nice thing about that feedback loop is then you can incorporate those changes into your decision strategy. Should you dial up or dial down mm-hmm. in terms of like what what actions you're you're taking? Yeah. Speaking of the the feedback loop, um, you mentioned starting with a business question, which um, I don't know if you follow some of the machine learning, artificial intelligence people, but it's funny the debate right now is kind of do you start with a business question or do you start with the data and see what some of the answers are before you even have the questions formulated. Formulated, um, but in in your case, it sounds like you guys tend to start with, "What's the business question? What are we looking for?" And that's almost it's almost like a cradle to cradle. It sounds like because what you produce ends up feeding back into um, the business question as mm-hmm. far as assessment of value based on the way you described it. Does that seem fair? It it is, and I, I think. I think for you know for the reason when when you engage, I think there are, there are a couple of ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. If you know the problems you're trying to solve, mm-hmm. uh, and you know like what are going to be the valuable business drivers, meaning what what are the you know the key things that are going to improve our business. Now, those those may not be the right things, but if those are the things that are being measured, then that's that's what we need to go after is 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 the you know measurable impact. Yep. Um, and and be able to to drive towards that. Now within that that frame of reference. I believe that there is a very um, you know deliberate way you can go about a machine learning based 
technique or some some new innovation, which is that's what our innovation team does, is that we we analyze existing problems, uh, you know, to 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 identify and define, you know, what, what this is what is typically done. What is a different way that we can do that? You mm-hmm. know, using new methodology, new techniques, um, you know, new data, et cetera. Got it. Um, as an example, tying on what you said about the measurable impact, um, we have a business analytics club. And um, one of the things that the club took on this past weekend was they went on what's called a data dive and dine, this new event. They wanted to go see a bunch of data centers. So I pulled together um, companies and organizations that had data centers, and one of them was actually the Atlanta Police Department. Hmm. So they developed a tool that um, – that, and the pre- people that were showing it to us were sergeants. They weren't the modelers. They were the, the people that were implementing it. And um, the questions that we kept asking were, okay, well, how do you use it? How did you get it enculturated into your environment? And most importantly, what's the measurable impact? And they knew what it was. I don't want to say what the percentage is, but they knew what it was right off the bat. So they said, you know, as soon as it rolled out, we saw a decrease in crime by X percent. And then we kept seeing, um, as we were revising back and we're refining the model, so it's that, I think it's like you said, it's that um, that measurable impact going back to what the tool or solution or insights were originally intended to do. Mm-hmm. And in their case, yep. it was reducing crime. And, and I think you, you touched on something that's very critical uh, in this, in that if you only approach things mm-hmm. at, a, at a high level, at an analytical level, at the big data level, I and mean, we, we get we get hung up on this concept. You know, the big data you know term was introduced several years ago. Mind you, Equifax was in the big data world before it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> um, so but, was I. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, when we think about you know that example you just described, what what was unique about it? Yeah, was is is you went uh, the the people who were you know leveraging it, they were established as the experts at a small data level. Got it. And 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 so they knew like it's it's the, it's almost like blending the experts expertise, you know, you know, view, yeah, and 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 what the analytics are intent behind that is to take, say if you have one person driving the logic, that would be a police sergeant. Mm-hmm. If you have two police sergeants, they're gonna both have two different methodologies on how they approach that problem. Yes. And then you build upon it by induction to say, this one would do it this way, this one would do it that way. Are there commonalities between them mm-hmm. where they were they were both right in this instance to reduce crime, and then you have a third one, you know, who was right in a different way. You combine all of that together, you get the best the best possible thinking. And every analytic, it, it should be viewed as not the it's not the end all be all. Yep. When you put an analytic in the hands of an expert, mm-hmm. then that's where they can become really powerful to know that this is the, I, I believe in this. I actually trust you know the value of, of this this approach, and it's also been validated and verified by people you know who are my peers who I also you know. You know, have have trust in their ability as well, which okay. to me that that sounds like why it was working. Yeah, probably so. I was just amazed because um, the only real work I've done on, um, I guess the biggest thing I've done with police was a biometric. It was a Motorola product, and it was a biometric measuring device that um, made sure that police officers didn't have a heart attack when they went into mm-hmm. um, an emergency situation, and the chief would pull them out if they started seeing their their biometrics go crazy. Um, and I got to tell you, they were not easy to implement something like that, but they probably don't like being measured, period. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people don't like that whole, you know, big brother thing. So I was amazed that they were able to implement something that they completely did not understand how it was developed. Um, So maybe there's a trust there, but I think the bottom line ended up being that they truly saw the value. And I think that's why the the criticality, the 
that what we're talking about today is so important. Um, and you mentioned too about storytelling, and uh, I gotta tell you that of the companies I talk to and the hiring managers, there are a couple things that I keep hearing over and over and over again. Okay, now granted, we are Georgia Tech, so our students are going to have you know probably more of a quant focus to them. Um, in the business analytics club, they're you know they're from all over the place. They're engineering students, they're business students, they're there are all kinds of students, but we we got the quant down. But what I'm hearing is not, oh, we want students that understand how to deep dive better. What I keep hearing is soft skills. We want them to be curious. We want them to understand the business. And number three, we these are not in order. We want them to be able to tell a good story. So my question slash comment that I would like to hear your feedback on is, um, what's the sort of balance with content making value versus storytelling making value is one seen as cake and the other is just icing or is it more of a um, hand in hand sort of thing or what what's that relationship between content and storytelling like explaining Mm -hmm. the solution well i think i think content is probably it's it's the foundation if you don't have a strong foundation, you know, you, then you can't tell a story. I mean, and, and people will see through that, especially if you, you know, if you, if anyone on the receiving end is, uh, I guess, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, an analytic professional or can can see through that, they they'll they'll very easily be able to see through a story without content. Yeah. So I think content forms the foundation, and um, you know, the the storytelling on top of that is you know, it probably is the you know the icing on that cake. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a strong foundation, you know, through content, through strong data, through strong analytics, um, and, and be able to tell the story on top of that. Now I think you know one of the things you talked about. You mentioned you know the unicorn. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, those might be two different people. Mm-hmm. You know that you know one who can tell a story, one who can do the analyses, and then when you combine their abilities together, mm-hmm. that's that's where you can end up with something potentially very special. Yeah, and what I'm hearing a lot of hiring managers say right now is that it's a department, not a person. Mm-hmm. It's not even you know. And um, I, I have several colleagues who say I don't believe in unicorns. You know, <laughs> so um, they, I have to say that my experience of seeing hundreds of students over the course of teaching for um, a, about 14 years. I probably have only experienced around 10 that have the ability to really deep dive on the quant side and be able to tell a story in a good way that makes sense and addresses a business question. So it is very tricky and oftentimes has to be taken on by multiple individuals. So it sounds like that's the case for you guys too. It is. Um, the, the last question, um, this is sort of painful because over you know my time, I've seen this happen um, more than once, which is, you are heading up an analytics department, you are trying to find solutions, you're trying to address business questions, you um, develop a solution, you know, after much hard work of wrangling the data to begin with, um, you deliver, you think it makes sense and it adds value and it gets file 13. So what final piece of advice would you give to an analytics professional that's really trying to make sure that what they do is adding value to the business question and the, the business in general? Well, I think, you know, finally 13, I think understanding why it wasn't implemented, I think is is equally important to it getting implemented because what, what may have occurred, you know, through that 
is that uh, it, it doesn't mean it was a bad analytic. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean it was a solution that was, you know, not valuable. There's value in understanding value. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, knowing, you know, the, the reason and rationale for business decision mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the trade-offs of, you know, should it be implemented or not, or was it just delayed, knowing, knowing that rationale at a bigger picture level versus the small picture of this is my own world, I think that that's, that's the big, you know, key is to understand not only how have, what is the impact you're making with that analytic, mm -hmm. but how does that impact the overall business and what's the bigger picture with other things for why that might have not, might have gotten implemented or not. Okay. So don't just look at it black and white. Uh, it got implemented. It didn't, but find out, you know, dig deeper, find out why. Maybe it was something unrelated to the quality of the solution. Maybe it did address the business question and there was something else happening um, but okay, so find out why. Yeah, and and also I think uh, you know to you know engage in many things you know so that way you don't hang your hat on one thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome, thank you again, uh, Mr. Tom Aliff, for talking to us about the criticality of truly meaningful insights and the value of analytics. Thank you, Dr. Wright. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks again for listening to the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Please connect with the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech via our website. And join my network on LinkedIn, Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center. Thanks again and have a great data set.